Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for the highlight of your week, the Church Planner Podcast. Well, at least it's a highlight of our week. Well, let's just be real. Let's let's face it, we we must not get out much. We're losers, Pete. <laughs> Actually, you know what I found really funny is uh this morning you and I were talking, and you just got back from Nashville. You were out yeah. there for you were out there for the uh, the cowboy conference. I mean, uh, uh, send and dude, it was awesome was it? It was cool. Yeah. And you met up with Brandon Brooks, yeah, who's the listener from here in California. And I'm like, he's an actor. Why was he in that? I'm like, I I wasn't making the connection. He literally texted me an animated GIF of me and an X-wing fighter, and then you know asked. I think I sent it to you. And then he asked, um, hey, you know, how you been? And I said, oh, good, man. How are you doing? And he said, well, I'm in Nashville, you know, visiting family. I go, dude, I'm in Nashville right now. It was kind of like that I Love Lucy episode where he's like, hey, it's my birthday too. And uh, <laughs> hey, lady, remember that one where they go to Italy? You totally sound like Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> no, they go to Italy. It's a great episode. And I'm totally getting lost now in what I was saying. But it was like, hey, man, I'm in Nashville. And uh you know, the uh, the the great thing, man, was um, he, he was just cool. He took me over. I kid you not. He took me over. We're, we're walking. Everything's kind of like right downtown. Nashville's not that big. But they have a Batman building. Literally have a building. Here, I'm going to show you a picture. You're not going to believe me. So I, 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 I brought my, my mug. See that building right there? Yeah. The architect is a Bat fan. So he actually made a building that looks like Batman's head. And put the ears to the cow, the bat cow, on the top of the building. And then I'm like tripping out on it. He goes, no, no, actual fact now. The guy was a Batman fan. It's called, you can Google it, the Batman building, Nashville. Then, wait, and wait, then wait. AT&T's in Wait, there. wait. The Church Planner Podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve. But the podcast they need. Okay, now go on with your story. And then, okay, we get your other sound effect ready because right next door to it is the R2D2 building. I was so hoping you were gonna say Ghostbusters. I was like, I got my I got my Ghostbusters button right here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, let me hear the Ghostbuster now one. The Ghostbuster one? All right, here's Ghostbusters. Well, no sense worrying about it now. Why worry? Each of us is wearing an unlicensed nuclear accelerator on his back. <laughs> I'm just saying we did have another one uh, from Ghostbusters, but I had to take it out because <laughs> I kind of felt sacrilegious when we would play it. 
it was the one where um, I don't remember all their names. I just remember Venkman because my buddy used to always call me Venkman. But the one guy is talking to the other guy and he goes, next time someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt sacrilegious playing that on the Church Leonard podcast. Yeah, so I, I cut that out. But that is such a great line. Well, the movie's great, which is why they're redoing it, and I don't know if I can see it. Yeah, yeah, I I feel the same, man. I kind of feel betrayed. Yeah, mainly because part of me, and I know I'm going to offend some people with this, but I feel like it's all political because it's like, oh, we've got to make all the characters women now. I'm like, uh, that just feels political to me, and it may not be, right? It could just be they, they just wanted to, you know change it up a bit, but it just feels so political to me. Like, yeah, you know, and I just, no, I agree. I don't want to take a great movie and turn it into some political thing. I just, I want Absolutely. a great movie and just, and it never works. It never, ever works in cinema. When you do that, if you're going to have a female lead, like Ripley and aliens, just do that. Don't change the characters. If yeah. If you female. made Ripley, it what it is, if you made Ripley, a dude, I, I don't think that yeah. movie would carry. It wouldn't because the part of it was is that she wasn't strong. She wasn't a military. You know, the the dynamics. Be, she was a scientist. That's what makes it so cool. Right. She's not used Help to fighting me, these Kenobi. You're my only hope. Sorry, I don't have a Ripley. That's as close as I got. Well, let's do this. Let's make a Star Wars and let's do uh, let's do Obi Wan and Luke as women, and let's do Princess Leia as a dude. And then they got to come rescue. Can, can, can we have Caitlyn Jenner do it? Prince Lee. Sorry, was, was that too soon? Can, <laughs> what did I, you say? I said, can we have Caitlyn Jenner be Princess Leia? Yeah, too soon. About that. Too soon. Yeah, I don't know about that. Too soon. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'm I'm calling PC police on you. That's not cool. Well, see, here's so, here's the other thing too. The uh, Battlestar Galactica when they redid that, they made Starbuck a chick, and that was really hard for me to get my mind around. But it worked. It worked, but not right away. Like it took the evolution of the show and the fact that it was such great writing that finally like, okay, I can be all right with Starbuck being a chick. So I met him when I was a kid and Lauren Green, I'll have you know. Just uh, let me guess. Let me guess. At the airport. That was Lauren Green, but I actually met Starbuck at Universal Studios when they were filming. Oh, no kidding. Yep. Yep. Yeah. One of my claim to fame. I, so, I wasn't really allowed to watch uh, Battlestar Galactica growing up. Yeah. Those Cylons are freaky, man. As kids. They, that, they, you, they, they gave us like a list of uh, a pre-approved TV show and movies that Baptists were allowed to, to partake in. <laughs> and Battlestar Galactica wasn't on the list. Wow, man. Well, you know, like if you were growing up Jewish, you couldn't eat hot dogs unless they were, you know, Hebrew national. Um, definitely, you know, you couldn't have bacon or anything, but... Um, you know, that, that's your deal. That's your kosherness. That's, that's the cross you have to bear. Well, you know, before we get going any further into our smack talk, we do need to uh, tell everyone what today's topic is going to be. So they know if they should actually listen to this episode. Yeah. Unlike last week where I, you know, it hit me that first time listeners last week were probably listening to this show going, isn't this wait, they're, they're checking back on their iTunes. It, 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 what show is this? Yeah. <laughs> Um, our topic is going to be the uh, church planting uh, according to Matthew 10. So we're actually going to crack the Bible today, and we're going to be looking at Matthew 10 as kind of a blueprint for mission. And I stole that, by the way. I give credit when I steal stuff. I'm just saying. Unlike other people? Horn. Oh, yeah, I'm just saying. Maybe people steal things and they don't give credit, but uh, I'm just saying I stole it. You stole the Bible, or, or you stole the fact that you're going to use well, a part of the we Bible were, for church planners? Well, we, we were kind of talking about this. I, of late, I've noticed some of my ideas, uh, even sometimes direct quotes, being recycled. You know, and recycling's great when it has to do with Coke bottles. But <laughs> when people are recycling your book um, and, and not crediting you as an author, that sucks. Except you and I were talking, we were laughing about how they – well, hopefully we're getting this stuff out of the Bible anyways, and uh, hopefully we're not making stuff up. We're, we're kind of looking at stuff that God already said, rediscovering it, and pushing it out there. 
So it's okay. I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, the uh, the Bible, it's in the public domain. Apparently. Except for why are, modern translations, which we have to wait for them to get out of the public domain. And they're dang expensive, baby. That they are. That they are. Which is why um, that dude who did the uh, Kickstarter where he made the Bible. Remember that one? We, we bought the Bibles. We haven't received it yet. But it was like yeah. he took out all the chapters and verses. And he's like, you know, so you could read it like literature. And he's talking about how beautiful the cover is. It was something that I remember saying to you. I'm like, why didn't you think of this? You're the one that's all into looks and like beauty and aesthetics. And I'm like, you know, does it work? I know. And you got all excited about it. It'll be cool when it comes out one day. One day. Yeah. <laughs> it was like supposed to be a year ago. And then like it got picked up by three church blogs and just blew up. And he ended Except up. I, you have to admit after that, I had a dang brilliant idea. You did, but here's my point. My your your idea was actually like I was looking at that, going, we could raise a hundred million dollars on Kickstarter yeah. and be the largest Kickstarter ever. Yeah, we could. The problem Absolutely. is, it's literally so much work. You and I were like, okay, this would be like a year or two solid out of our lives. Absolutely, like it would be gone. all we do. Yeah, it, it really would. And you would and yet think it would be so flipping epic, man. It would be. It would so. Be. But my point of that whole story is I remember the dude when he's talking about, you know, and, and what we're going to use, we're going to use the American standard translation because uh, it's a, it's more, uh, uh, you know, word for word. And and I'm like, American standard. Notice he didn't say new American standard. New American standard is still under copyright. American standard is in the public domain. <laughs> I'm like, dude, that's, that's brilliant. so funny. It's brilliant. That it's so funny, man, because you pay such good attention to that stuff. And I totally dig that about you, man. That was Jerry Maguire. Yeah, I picked that up. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Now that it's that part of the show where we talk smack, what you going to do when the Church Planner podcast runs wild on you? And uh, just a disclaimer, that's not the real Hulk Hogan. Uh, this guy was not racist. So Nor were those Hulk Hogan's dogs in the background. Could you hear him? Did you hear that yeah. stinking dog barking her head? And I put her in the other room. Yeah, but but we totally need an old lady to go, why am I fading or tired? My dogs are barking. <laughs> we need that. We need that sound clip. You know, Brandon Brooks is sending you all these great gifts and pictures and stuff. How about some sound effects, Brandon? We need some sound effects. Hey, you know, he still can't top the ninja little person video that he sent in Peyton, do I got the job? <laughs> um, Hey, uh, is your train going by? And now I can unmute. <laughs> oh, is that what you were doing? <laughs> he was just priming the pump there, man. That wasn't even the real deal. Dude, I got some smack talk, man. I want to talk about Nashville. Nashville is a crazy little town. So I went there for the, uh, North American Mission Board, the Send National Conference. And man, it was it was a great conference, I gotta say. Um, it was good. Had JD Greer there, got to go in the green room and uh mix it up a little bit with David Platt and um kind of feel important. That was kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> we do laugh at our own sound effects. We do. We do. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, it was, it was cool, man. It was a great conference. I love, 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 love the heart for church planning. And what was awesome is it didn't matter whichever way you turn. There were 13,000 people there. Wow. They were, it was like being in a city, uh, filled with people. It, it, this is what it feels like to me to bring it down to Star Wars. All roads lead to Star Wars to bring it down to this. It's kind of like, you know, when you're in Star Wars and there's no Jedi around, I think church planners feel that way a lot. This was like going to the Jedi temple and everybody you talked to was just passionate. I would talk to a guy from Montana and he'd be like telling me all about how they church plant in Montana, just on the bus, you know, uh, on, on my way to the airport. I'd be over in another, you know, part just trying to get something to eat and I'd be talking to another dude who's telling me about, you know, what it's like in the South and Louisiana to church. And they're all passionate about it. And it, it was just like meeting with a bunch of Jedi. It was hot. And so you got a lot of great interviews, right? 
I did not get as many interviews as I hoped. No, but I I, I did get two. You should you should have done the bus interview. I'm here on the bus with John, and he's talking to me about Montana. John, go. <laughs> but you know how it is, right? You're just having a conversation. We've seen this before. If if a guy, there's something about recording. You suddenly get someone on, and they go. <laughs> yes, you know it's funny. We had someone on. I'm not going to say who they were, and and I honestly can't remember their name. But like you and I were talking to them before, and we're like, "Oh, this is going to be a great interview." He and as soon as they got on, laughing so hard, he had us in tears telling this one story. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and it was just like once they got on, it just I don't know, fizzled out. My story is about a time when I was living in this part of the United States. <laughs> We've actually had a few of them like that. Yeah. We've had a few that, uh, yeah, you, you almost have to like sneak the camera or the, uh, the microphone and not let them know you're recording. So like Nashville, right? Like, check this out, man. Like Nashville is, you know, they call it music city USA. I, I actually didn't know that. Um, never been to Nashville. Didn't know much about Nashville. Not big into country music. Um, but let me tell you something, man, to quote the blues brothers, that city has both kinds of music, country and Western. But, you know, the <laughs> we have both kinds of music here, country and Western. But, uh, you know, the, the reality is that uh, you don't realize how influential this city is for music. I mean, uh, like they had the Johnny Cash Museum. I went to that. That was kind of cool. Um, Johnny Cash is a stinking. Oh, Southern Baptist, by the way. I'm just saying. But uh, Johnny Cash, man, he was on the charts like six decades he's the only artist ever to make it in the country hall of fame and the rock hall of fame i thought you were gonna say the hip-hop hall of fame but <laughs> not yet <laughs> not you yet. could you could easily mix his tracks dude the the hurt video got one of the uh, this major award for one of the best videos of all time and if you ever seen that um i think it's a trent Reznor song um that he does called hurt uh, dude it's just it's amazing but anyways um so, so going back to this, here's talk about church planning, how Nashville became the center of the country music and, and in many cases, music universe in America, the recording center, um, was there was a guy, uh, probably one of my ancestors, um, <laughs> Reverend Jones, Samuel Porter Jones, who decided to uh, do a tent mission up the hill from the river. Well, there was a riverboat captain by the name of Captain Ryman. And uh, he he and his dad were fishermen, and he started this riverboat once he, he became profitable. And then he bought a whole fleet of riverboats. He was the richest man in Nashville as it was developing. And of course, there's lots of prostitution on those boats, lots of partying, lots of drunkenness, lots of gambling. And so Reverend Jones, he was, he was thunder, man, thunder and lightning, fire and brimstone. And he was laying it down on the top of this hill and uh, and so one night, Captain Ryman, because his business was being affected, people were getting saved and it was starting to shut down business. Well, anyways, Captain Ryman takes a mob of people to uh, basically, you know, over to the tent where they know they'll find him. They're waiting for the meeting to finish so they can beat the crap out of him, drive him out of town. They've got sticks. They've got clubs. They're ready to give this guy a lesson. Right. Nashville style. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means. I mean, that. Do I. <laughs> but it sounds great. Now, now it would mean you play a song to, to, to people. Ding, 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 Check, ding, ding. Oh, and it's funny, man. You're walking down the street and uh, it's hilarious, man. Like everybody's out there busking for change. It's all the guys like trying to be country music stars. They're like, listen to my song, listen to my song, you know, and they're playing for you. You're just like, dude, I'm just trying to like get some food. And uh, anyways, so they sit and wait through the meeting and they get saved. Captain Ryman gets born again, like right there, converted on the spot, comes up to him in tears and just says, hey, you know, boom, boom, boom. Anyways, he decides to build this giant chapel. And this thing is massive. I mean, they show pictures, black and white pictures of this place. And there are thousands of people packed in there. And uh, turns out. That becomes uh, once uh, Captain Ryman dies years later um, and he gives and he, he funds it. He funds this thing. He's like a multimillionaire. He funds this thing 
It's massive. It's this beautiful building. That becomes the Ryman Theater. When he dies, they name it that. The church moves uh, elsewhere years down the road, but they start opening it to the community to use for like musical events or whatever. Of course, we know that's that's good missionary policy. That's a good use of a of a building. Today, we're just rediscovering that, hey, if you use your church building as a neutral venue for the community, that brings a community into your church. It initiates that first point of contact. Anyways, so they start booking all these acts. And there's this woman that kind of takes it over as kind of like her mission is to get all these musicians. That's what put Nashville on the map. That's where the Johnny Cash show was filmed. It's where Hank Williams did, you know, the Grand Old Opry. If you know anything about the Grand Old Opry, um, that was where country music just rocked it. Um, so anyways, that that was it, man. It all happened through the church. Kinda so cool. so do people really listen to country music? No. Okay, good. That's that's what I was thinking. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> what you got for this, this, this week, Pete? You know, I don't know that I have a whole lot for the smack talk. I mean, I can't really think of anything. I can't think of anything exciting that's happened. We're doing this a day early, and it kind of threw me off. I usually like yeah. to take Thursday. I spend eight hours on Thursday in meditation, mm. thinking to myself, yes. what's a good smack talk story I can share? What, yes, don't talk. What did we even Thursday. say before the show? Material. What did we say before the show? Something about the loneliness <laughs> issue or the podcast? <laughs> what was that? You go, you go. Hey, you know what I want to talk about today? <laughs> How church planners get really lonely. I'm like, hey, you want me to come over there? Are you lonely? And you go, give me a smooch. No, no, it wasn't cuddle. a smooch. I was like, what did I say? I was like, I need a cuddle. Somebody needs to cuddle <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Well, cool, man. Let's uh, hit Doc Brown because we got to get through Matthew 10. Let's do it. Cool. Well, uh, before we do that. Welcome. You are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by Mogiv. M-O-G-I-V. I missed Yoda, man. Did you? Yeah. Well, I was thinking know. about him. Always two. There are a master and an apprentice. Well, yes, but who's the master? And who's the apprentice? I will just say that was, say a, direct that was that a direct quote, by the way. When it comes to Mogiv, M-O-G-I-V. Or do not. There is no try. That's all I'm saying. Do or do not. Dude, that was a drive-by quote. I didn't even see that one coming. Mm, good, good. Well, hey, you know, I just like to throw out there to everybody. We've talked about Mogiv in the past. You've heard about them. You know about them. If you're not using them, you need to. It's an online and text-based giving platform built specifically for the needs of new and, new and growing churches. <laughs> I can't even get it out. A commercial could almost give itself now. Go to mogive.com forward slash choich to learn more. What's Remember, that address again, Peyton? M-O-G-I-V dot forward com. slash church. Church. Yeah. And so uh, that's all I have to say on that issue. Well, that is fantastic oh, because I did, I we're going to jump straight in. Oh, yeah, what? Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Cool. That was awesome because we traveled through time just and we did that. Nice. Dude, I'm super jet lagged, by the way, too. So if nothing I say makes sense, it's like any other You know podcast. what's funny? I just thought of some uh, smack talk afterwards. <laughs> too late. I know. It has <laughs> to do with the chance. hoverboard and the fact that it's 2015 and they finally invented it. Have you seen that on the news? Yes. They finally invented it. And and what's funny is I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're going to be one of the first guys to buy one. <laughs> <laughs> we should go as Ghostbusters sometime to something. <laughs> Where did that come from? I don't know. You just brought up my nostalgia of like 1985. <laughs> Wasn't that the same? Didn't those come out in the same same year? Didn't Back to the Future come out in 1985 or something? Well, maybe because that was the year that it all took place. And then 2015 is uh, Back to the Future 2. When oh. they went to the future, this is that year, October of 2015. Wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, okay. So we're going to talk about um, Matthew 10. And this came out in a conversation. Um, actually, it wasn't a conversation. Um, I just like to mention that Pete and I had dinner with Rick for two and a half hours. We know him as Rick. <laughs> And uh, he we knows know him as R. As, well, he doesn't know us. We know him as R.W. Hey, R.W. <laughs> R.W. Um, 
<laughs> oh, we're so not getting an interview with him. No, but uh, he's already turned us down listens. so many times, you know, at this point, what's Absolutely. it matter? Well, okay. So here's the deal, right? Um, it's all right. We got David Platt to say yes. So huh, take yeah, that, baby. Take that. RW and, uh, and and next week you you've got an interview with uh, oh yeah Stetzer the Godfather. Godfather Church Planning so here we go you know uh, Matthew chapter ten um, it, 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 we're going to talk about that as kind of like a blueprint and and this came in a talk that uh, I heard Rick Warren give at a church planning conference which you know he was talking and he he just was mentioning the, one of the best things about hearing Rick Warren talk is when he tells you the story of how they came to things. And so he said that he was reading Matthew 10 and he started, you know, kind of wondering, is there any mission group that uses the instructions that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 10 as kind of a blueprint for, for what they do and how they do it. And, you know, as he was talking about that, (laughs) excuse me, he, uh, he mentioned that, no, you know, they all came back to him and like, no, no, master, no, no one does. So he's like, well, you know, we, we, need, to, we need to use it. And um, he, he, he talked a little bit about it, but I just kind of want to go through um, some of this and chat through it. We may get through all of Matthew 10, chatting it through. We may not. And hopefully Pete's going to interrupt a lot because um, I'm going to try to make this as interactive as I can. Well, not a sermon I, I remember- and not a monologue. I remember uh, him saying that. Are you sure it was Matthew 10? Was that the passage he was yeah. referring to? Definitely, yeah. It wasn't like Luke 17? Uh, is that the parallel passage? It wasn't Hezekiah 24? Oh, um, <laughs> yes, it was, Pete. <laughs> it actually was the book of Hezekiah. Because <laughs> I remember reading it, and one of it was like, only go to the Jews. And I was like, well, now... <laughs> How we, how are we, we going to talk about that? Okay. No, th- there's a principle to pull out of that. Let, definitely. Okay. So when he called to him his 12 disciples, so the, the, the golden rule out of that is that you can only have 12 people on your church planning team. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. We're not going to play. And like one that. of them has to be named Judas. Here's, here's the ground. And you make him the treasurer of your church, right? <laughs> Whoa, wait a second. What's your middle name, Pete? It's because so, I'm the treasurer. For those of you who've never listened. Before. Well, my middle name's Jude, Peter Jude Mitchell. But, you know, but, but here's the deal, right? Um, this is how we're going to play. We're going to look at Matthew 10, and we're not drawing um, absolute principles out of it, like in the sense where, oh, that's what they do. That's what we have to do, the, the, you know. What we're doing is we're, we're pulling out principles. We're not using it to regulate everything. So it would be stupid to say, oh, well, Jesus called to him as 12. Look, in another passage, he sends out the 72. Matthew happens to mention uh, the 12 here. So, um, so, so he calls to him as 12 disciples and gave them authority over clean spirits to cast them out. Unclean and heal spirits. every disease I'm and every gonna, affliction. I'm just so, gonna. Uh, you, you said clean spirits. It's unclean spirits. Oh yeah, sorry. I'm I meant the unclean ones. <laughs> but here's the deal. Um, he gives them authority, and I think that the first thing when it comes to anyone in ministry and anyone in mission is what authority do you have to do this? Now the the good news is, um, you may not you know kind of be set apart as an apostle or. A church planner per se, but you've all been given the authority to do what he talks about in Matthew 28. He has sent us all out. In fact, what he says is you borrow his authority, just like when he says that we pray. He says, pray in my authority, in my name, when you approach a father, as if you were me. But what he's doing in Matthew 28 is he's saying the same. He says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. So I'm telling you to go into all the world. Now, it wasn't just the 12 that were there. It was the witnesses of his resurrection, just general disciples that were there. And the word disciple is used for anyone who is a student follower of Jesus, not just the 12. So here it designates the 12 were sent out. And of course, there were 72, So, which means there were 60 more. Uh, I can do that math. Do you see what I did there? I did math. Wait, are you a non-math pastor? Oh, wait, we'll get to that later. <laughs> wait, wait, hold that commercial for later, Pete. I can't tell you how many times people have said that to me. Hey, are you a non-math pastor, Pete? Are you serious? Oh, yeah. I love it. 
So, you know, it goes on, mentions the names. And then um, in, in verse five, it says, Jesus sent them out instructing them. Um, first thing I point out is, you know, what, what instructions have you received from Jesus? If you're going to go out and plant a church or you're going to be on mission, what has he called you to do? There are a million things you could do. You could go out and you could be the guy at the pier that stands up in the open air. You could be the guy that paints pictures on the piers and tells stories that tie into the gospel. You can be the guy that goes into pubs and nightclubs. You can be the guy that stands outside of, uh, you know, the, the, the rave concerts. You could be, uh, there's a million things. You could be the person that goes to Africa and starts a hospital. Find out what, what is the instruction you'd be given. So first thing, they are given a mission and it is very clear and it's going to have clear instructions. You know, before you get to that, though, I think the the part of this that to me raises all kinds of other questions is, uh, you know, verse four that you kind of skipped over there, you know, where he's naming off the 12. And then, of course, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. That was his mission. But see, <laughs> well, but my point is, is like he says that he gave them, he gave his 12 disciples authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and affliction. And he gave that to Judas as well. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so to me, like this is, this is a, a thing to like grapple with and to yeah. like really look at. So, because here's the problem that I got with this. If you've had that kind of authority, if you've, and I, I don't, it doesn't say that he exercised it. I don't know that he exercised that authority. But how hard is it to then turn your back on that? Well, and, and here's the thing. Remember when Jesus said, in that day, many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, did I not? And he says, cast out demons and do miracles in your name. And so he, he even says, on the last day, people are going to come to me going, hey, I did all this stuff. I always think of the Yahoo's on TV, right? The God Channel. They're, uh, they're doing, you know, all these, you know, first off, they're spouting all kinds of false teaching. They're wrecking people's lives. And it may be that occasionally someone gets healed as a result of, of whatever they're doing. And, you know, I've known people that have been healed at, at some of these wacky places. And it, to me, I always think, well, it, that was between them and Jesus. That guy, uh, may have been kind of the, the, the middle man, but it really, God didn't need him. It was just, he met with that person. Maybe that person said something that sparked it. And so Judas did miracles. I mean, there's nothing that indicates anything different. Jesus says in that day, guys are going to come to me saying, Hey, wait a second. You have to let me in. I had this authority. All right. But here's the thing, you know, part, part of the issue that I got with this is, I mean, it says that he gave Judas authority. So here's a question I got. I don't know if this should even be brought up on Church Planner Podcast, so maybe I'll need to erase it. What did, I mean, to me, that's like, this is Jesus giving Judas authority. Yeah. As opposed to, you mentioned like the God channel, right? You know, crazy pastors doing whatever, saying whatever, who never really had any authority. And yeah, sometimes people are healed because, frankly, there is power in the name of Jesus. It was never that that person was given the authority to heal. It's just, you know, sometimes there's power in the name of Jesus. Um, it it begs the question: Did Judas like walk away from his faith? Did he did he have it oh, at one point and then just say, you know what, I'm done with this because I want I want you know earthly gain? I don't I don't think that. I don't think Judas. <laughs> You're not Sorry, doing good man. today, man. <clears throat> no, I'm not. I don't think that Judas ever truly believed. Judas always seemed to have the wrong end of the stick on almost everything. You know, what Jesus was supposed to do in different situations, what his overarching purpose was in ministry. You know, he um, mm. he just seemed to not. You know, not really. He was stealing money the whole time. Where, how do we um, know he was stealing money the whole time? It says it. It Where? says when when he gets angry, when the woman um, oh because of the pours the alabaster jar yeah, of the fragrant perfume. oil. Yeah, it says, and it literally says, I believe it's in Luke, where it says, you know, he was dipping into the into the funds. That's why he was upset. And uh, and it turns out <clears throat> that um, you know Jesus makes a statement. He goes. 
did I not choose you, the 12, and yet one of you is a devil? So um, Jesus is not saying one of you is a lost sheep that, you know, or a wayward sheep that's just straying, <laughs> just straight out says you're a devil. Now, when Jesus calls you a devil, <laughs> it's not a good thing. <laughs> now, that would make a great soundbite. So here's here's the deal. Um, All I know is he ruined the name Judas for everybody from that day forward. <laughs> he did, yeah. And it was a pretty common name. But uh, he said, and, and this is what I like. In, in verse, uh, six, or verse 5, he says, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And, and what I like about that is he's limiting who they can go to. So if people were ever like, well, look, you know, um, like, for example, Rick Warren in his purpose-driven church, the major problem I had with that when I read it, you know, years ago, I, I, I was convinced I was like uber reform boy and I was convinced I was going to hate it. And so I took a red pen and a green pen and I highlighted all of the stuff that I didn't like in red and all the stuff I liked in green. When I was done with the book, I was shocked because almost everything was in green and there's only like two things in red. And now, now, mind you, I was 24 and or 25. I had just moved to Wales. I, I took the book with me and here I was never planned a church, never been a senior pastor. And here I thought I, you know, had the, uh, the, the, the chops to, uh, to criticize this guy. And, and here's the thing, it just shows my arrogance, but the reality is obviously you can question anyone, but I was shocked that I just agreed with almost everything he said. But the one sticking point for me was when he said who he was targeting. I was problematic for me because I'm like, well, don't you want to reach everybody? But he felt he had a mission. He had a mission to the yuppie, you know, the 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 head of the household, the the the, you know, the the upperly mobile, white collar, middle class male, head of the household, the family man. That's who he felt called to reach. And you know, fair play, he's done it very very well. And that you can see how well that's what you've done. That's wonderful. But um, the reality is Jesus here tells them, and, and I think we have a hard time with this, where he's he's saying, don't go after these ones. And of course, there's a theological reason, right? Um, Pentecost hasn't happened, um, you know, he, but even after Pentecost, it was quite a while where, you know, the, before Jesus said, hey, Peter, by the way, go to Joppa, <clears throat> to, the, to the house of Simon the Tanner. Um, it, it's been a, it's been a long, it's been a long time, uh, from here until when the Gentiles receive salvation. And so we sometimes superimpose this idea that we have to go to everybody the same, but it's okay to target specific individuals for mission. Paul particularly said, I am the apostle to the Gentiles. Here, Jesus tells him to go to Jews, um, Paul says, I go to Gentiles. So that's okay. You know, well, good. <laughs> I'm, but a missionary I'm a does that, didn't he? Right. No, but a missionary does that. A missionary says, I'm going to pick one place in the world, and I'm going to focus my attention on saving that one particular people group. And I remember going to Wales, and I literally felt in my heart that I was not to go to England. And uh, can you hear that? Yeah, what is that? That's construction across the street. But uh, I literally felt that I was not to go to England. England. I kept getting offers to get sucked into England. And because, uh, you know, that's where all the big churches are and what have you. And uh, Wales is a mission field. And I would have guys tell me, look, please don't leave Wales. Please don't get enticed because that's where the big money comes from. You know, England starts going, hey, we got a big church. We can pay you a full salary. Mm. Not in Wales, man. And so it's okay for the sake of mission. I'm not afraid. Yeah. You will be. You will be. <laughs> yeah, baby. It fits. So, so the next part is verse 7. It says, and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's really cool about that is he gives them the gospel message that they're to preach. Now, the gospel is a big deal. It's a big topic. There are many, many different ways you can go with the gospel. You, we, we tend to always hear the, uh, the type of gospel where 
um, we tell guys, look, you're guilty before God, but he loves you and he sent his son to forgive you of your sins. But there's other types of gospel messages. Um, it's said about uh, uh, George Whitfield that his primary message that he preached was the new birth. Have you experienced the new birth? And he would talk. He would literally preach regeneration. Well, that's a part of the gospel. But that became his message. John Wesley, on the other hand, kind of went the opposite way from the Puritans who would preach, you know, damnation, kind of like sinners in the hands of an angry God. And Wesley would preach righteousness, not conviction of sin, but righteousness. And of course, in John, uh, Jesus says that when the spirit comes, he will, uh, he will, uh, oh, shoot, he will um, convict the world of sin, uh, righteousness. And is it judgment? I think it's judgment. Um, so, you know, Wesley's I have to message, consult my Bible app for your answer, but so, so here you got like, you know, the Puritans preaching stuff that has to do with sin and forgiveness. And then Wesley comes on the scene. He's like, this is the righteousness of God and you suck, you know, you can't reach it. So, but he would preach positive righteousness and that would convict people. So there's all different ways to preach the gospel. And you don't have to do the Romans road every time. Um, another one is, is the, the message of liberation in the gospel, um, that he will set you free. Um, you know, Paul preaches the road home gospel in, um, Athens. And so the gospel's a big topic. And Jesus specifically, just to illustrate in this passage says, and as you go, proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so what he's preaching by seeing the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom is the area of God's rule and reign. Now, remember, they were an oppressed people group. They were um, they were under Roman bondage. And yet he's saying, look, God's kingdom is here. Well, they were always waiting for this physical deliverance. Jesus is talking about their personal deliverance, um, that, look, I'm here. I'm the king. The king is here. Therefore, preach this, you know. Um, and, 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 and preach the kingdom. The kingdom is, is here. It's now. I'm here. You can be set free. You can walk in this. So there was a, a that, that's one aspect of the gospel. The, I don't think anyone today would preach this message quite like this. What do you, do you see what I'm saying? If no. I, if I said to a modern day church planner, Hey, preach, this is going to be the theme of your message. The kingdom of God is at hand. I think most guys would be like, uh, so when do I get to the cross in that? And when do I, do you see what I'm saying? I mean, you yeah, should get to the cross, but. Yeah, but I don't even know. I mean, that's so vague, right? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do you well, think it could just be, you know, they're giving the abbreviated version of what Jesus said? Of course. Of course. Yeah. This is general. This is saying that the king has come. Right. Obviously and, it's the abbreviated yeah. version, but I mean. Well, and then the next verse is all the things that prove that the king is here, right? So um, he says, you know, uh, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Always miracles are given as a validation of the message. Right. So what he's saying is the kingdom, in other words, the kingdom is when God brings heaven down to earth. He restores all things. Um, to, to quote the Jesus Storybook Bible, he makes all of Satan's lies come untrue again. So, you know, all, all the things that were broken, he fixes. He restores heaven back to earth, right? It, it goes to a, a, a even better than the state of Eden. But the deal is, is Jesus is saying, look, I'm, I'm here. I'm the guy who's going to restore it. I'm the one that crushes the serpent's head so I can heal the sick. I can raise the dead. I can cleanse lepers. I can cast out demons. All the stuff that's plagued you before, I'm here now. I have authority. I have power. Boom. And all those miracles point to the message. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think it's crazy. Uh, you know, again, I I'm always thinking back about Judas, right? Judas is, <laughs> he's got the authority to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. And yet we know where his story ends. And, uh, I think the one of those that is the most wiggy, to us in our modern times is of course raise the dead. Cause I've thought about that topic of raising the dead and, uh, and you look at it and it actually happens a lot in the Bible. Mm. 
like we usually think, okay, we think of Lazarus, of course, and we think of Jesus um, yeah. as raising from the dead. But there's a lot of times that it happens. So there's a pastor friend of mine who has um, guy respect. He's been a part of that. And he was in another country. And uh, it's always another country. Let well, me guess Africa. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, it was it was actually in South America. And he uh, he pointed out that, you know, really <clears throat> that, uh, you know, there's there's a bunch of different reasons. And we've talked about that before that uh, missionaries, um, they're frontline. Sure. And the more frontline you go, the more this stuff happens. Now, I know there's weirdos that, you know, don't call the ambulance. We'll pray. And the person like needed CPR. But anyways, this person was dead. And they were, they hadn't just, they had been dead, you know, and he, you know, they prayed and he goes, I don't know how to explain it, man. It wasn't like, he goes, the person just came alive and there are people be like, no way. Just hearing that they're like crazy talk, right? Well, this guy was a part of it. And, and what was funny is he came home and he was talking about it because he was from a Calvary Chapel background. And of course, when you're in circles on mission with people that pray that the dead get raised, you know that you're not in Kansas anymore. You're now in, you know, you're not in a Calvary Chapel. You're in maybe a vineyard or, a, you know, something else. And so he, um, but he was having this chat with them and at dinner and, and one of the women, they, they were very suspicious, like, mm, mm, this doesn't sound right, you know. And then one of the ladies looked at him and said, yes, but do they preach the word? He was just like, he was telling me this story and he's like, and I, I, I just shut up because he's like, it was like, they didn't even hear. It. We just saw somebody raised from that. Like that part of the story, like didn't, it was like, it went right over their heads. Right. <laughs> what yeah. was wrong? But did they preach the word? <laughs> yeah. And of course, preaching the word is the point of doing. Oh no, miracles. I get it. I mean, it's crazy talk, right? I mean. I get it because every time, and I've told you this, you and I have still never sat down and I haven't heard your whole near death experience that you've had. It's in leadership journal spring of, no, 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 it's not. You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, I haven't heard the whole story. Like which one of your near death experience. Oh yeah. 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 And you said, well, that's something we'll have to do. And and I told you, I didn't want to hear it. Cry. I cry when I tell. That's a problem. Well, then I, I definitely don't want to hear it. All right. So I it's going to be uncomfortable with emotion. It's going to take 10, 15 years before I'm ready for that. <laughs> but, but my point is, is like, I told you, I didn't want to hear it because I was afraid I wasn't going to like you after that. Like, as soon as I heard it, I'd be like, dude, yeah. this guy is off his rocker. He's yeah. out of here. You know, this is, I mean, I have to think you're crazy every time you start telling me about an exorcism you were just in or, you know, a bump you heard in the room or, you know, and yeah. I'm like, so guys, crazy. I, guys, crazy. I have to tell this story this week. I call Pete up and I never call Pete at night. <laughs> Nine fifteen at night. Nine fifteen. You gotta understand. I'm in bed by like ten nowadays. I got two yeah, kids. I don't know you sitting there with the wife watching Shark Tank, but I call him up and I'm like, "Hey, Pete." He's like, "Yeah, what's up, man?" You know, because it's unusual. And I'm like, "Hey, I gotta tell you about this experience." And I know, I know, I have chosen the time where I'm gonna freak him out, and so I start telling. Him I had some really crazy poltergeist experience in the house. I say poltergeist is demonic, but had some, uh, and, and there's always, by the way, there's always, uh, uh, another explanation. You could always explain it by being, you know, maybe I was having a stroke and was hallucinating, but my wife, <laughs> yeah, also, you and your wife were both having a stroke we were at having the same time. Tandem strokes. It happens when you're married for a while, you do things together. Um, increasingly more so. And, uh, and I'm not laughing at strokes, by the way. Anyone's like, hey, man, strokes aren't funny. My baby had a stroke. So I agree with you. But twisted sense of humor. I think we explained last podcast. We right? tried. We, we tried. We tried. Yeah. <laughs> and then we had to go through to and it. edit out a lot of stuff. Exactly. We, we did. And, and so anyways, but I had a really wicked. So I called Pete up and I'm telling him. <laughs> you're like, dude, stop. Stop. Yeah. You started down right that. And I'm like. You cannot tell me this story when I'm going to bed in 45 minutes. I cannot hear this. Do you need me to come over and tuck you in again? Is this one of those I need a cuddle moments? That would really even <laughs> freak me out more. Like that actually would freak me out more than the story you wanted to tell me. 
Absolutely. I made you wait until the true. next morning. I made you wait until Saturday morning at like 8.15. And then I'm like, okay, now you can tell me. What was the rest of that story? Yeah, you called me in the, the next morning. You're like, okay, I could take it now. Right. So, yeah. It was great. So, okay, the next verse. And uh, how are we doing on time? We coming, we coming up to the end? because we may need Yeah, to we got about 10 minutes. Somebody. Cool. All right. So he goes on and he says, you received without paying. Give without pay. And um and and that's a deep stinking verse. There is a, a a sense in which you are giving yourself, but he's also trying to tell them, look, part of mission is being generous, and you need to give. You need to give to people. You can't be charging people. Um, when you go on mission to people, you don't charge them for stuff. You don't charge them for the gospel. Right. You don't he, charge them also for healing the sick or raising the dead. Like yeah, I. To me, I've always taken that verse because it came right after that. You know, yeah. oh, I cast out your demons. By the way, that's five hundred dollars. Thank you. So make a Pete, donation to my church. Whole, that whole thing we're going to do for Church Planner Magazine, we're like selling indulgences. Is that not cool? Is that off the table? Then? Well, that's not. That's not healing. That's a, that's an indulgence. Oh, all right. All right. Every time a copper in the box rings, another soul to heaven's. <laughs> Just joking. That was Tetzel in the Reformation. <laughs> Martin Luther. So, okay, he goes on. He says, uh, use received without paying. Okay, he goes on to say, acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals and a staff for the laborer deserves his food. So uh, what's really cool about that is he's hardwiring into it um, the idea of risk, um, that, that you're to go out in there in a posture of faith depending upon God. Any missionary will tell you that when they got over on the other side, maybe the transportation system failed them or they couldn't speak the language or they didn't meet their contact. God opens up amazing doors and provides. And when the, and things do always go wrong on mission trips. And I believe it's part of God saying, look, I told you this thing was supposed to be risky. I didn't want you to go cash in your 401k plan and have just gobs of money and, you know, tons of credit cards and just so you didn't have to worry. So you didn't need to depend upon me. Um, one of the things that, that Jesus is doing is he's trying to get them to understand that they're not alone. Jesus is not sending them out. And then they're like, you know, lone operatives, you know, lone rangers out there. He's trying to get them into this posture of depending upon God for every single thing, because that's what ministry comes out of. When you start living, there's something that happens, you know, for those of you that, that, that step out and risk in church planning, there's something that happens just by nature of adopting that, that posture of risk that I, I, I put it this way. I was writing a, a chapter for a book and I, I just basically said that every time. Now, don't steal this. If you're another writer with a big platform, don't steal this from me. I'll be watching you. <laughs> he goes on to say, sorry, I couldn't resist. You're going to have to start naming names, aren't you? Don't steal this from me, Bob. Don't steal this from me, Jimmy. <laughs> Come on, Gary. And and so here's the deal is, you know, he, he ends up, you know, uh, every time you step out in faith, that faith creates a vacuum, I believe where it's like there's no substance, there's no, nothing solid to depend on. So faith creates this, this chasm of, of empty air that sucks in, it creates a vacuum, it sucks in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that, that faith creates a, a, a vacuumous uh, area for the Holy Spirit to come into your life. Does that make sense? I'm trying to paint a word picture, I'm probably failing, but... It's like no, you... it does, and I think see to me this this was a key area um, in in hearing uh, R W talk about this, you know, because the idea of not getting supporters, of not um, getting ready financially before going out on mission. I mean, I, I can't think of a single organization that doesn't have you do certain steps financially before you leap. And that wasn't what Jesus said. I mean, when he was talking to the 12 right then, he was saying, go do it. Go do yeah. it and let me provide. Let me worry about everything. You just yeah. go out there and do it. And that's just so not, that's not our culture. That's not, that's not how we do mission at all. Yeah. So when I got married, I made ridiculous money. Um, I was working on staff at the church. 
I think I made uh, $33,000 a year. That's and that's, that's just, that's nothing, right? As an assistant pastor, that was typical back then, though. Right. That was actually a very good wage for an assistant pastor. But I was 20-something years old, 21 or 2 or whatever when I first got that. No, how old was I? 23. So I had that wage for two years. Anyways, so I'm 24 years old, and I go to work as a, as a psych nurse, and I'm making like 60-something a year. And I'm like, woohoo! this is awesome. 1999, I embark on the mission field. Now, get this. I, I, I work for those nine months before I leave, 10 months to set aside money for the mission. There's nothing wrong with that. And I start raising support uh, or at least building my support contacts. I don't actually put money in the bank until like a couple months before I go. But here's the deal. This is what I want to say. I was thinking about this recently because we've been talking with some guys that are, that are going to be coming through new breed, um, you know, to, to kind of, uh, uh, fund their mission for us for some of the global work we'll be doing. But what, what most missionary agencies do is they, they say, look, you need to raise $85,000 or $60,000 or a hundred thousand dollars. And, and then what they do is they, they kind of do the old fashioned, you know, Baptist thermometer, you know, or it's like the, the, the red goes up, you know, we're wide hot, you know, we're almost there, you know, let's raise the temperature of this mission. And, and so you're getting that thermometer, you know, you've got this, this graph or whatever to show and you always have to meet your target and they want you to be safe and secure. For me, when I went to Wales, it didn't happen that way. I literally was like, well, this is how much people are given a month. I guess I'm going to have to live according to that. And I moved over there. I didn't have a target date. I just was like, well, you know, here I go. And it was, it was a lot like free falling. Cause if I had waited to bring in $80,000, it wouldn't happen. I, I don't even know if they bring that much in now. <laughs> I don't think they do. And, and so here's the deal is that, uh, you get overseas and, and I'm there and it, they could pay me. It was great up until 9-11. And then, of course, my support drops in half and I had to go get a job. Well, that was okay because here's the thing about stepping out in faith. It was only because I was on my way that people knew on the other side, hey, this guy's coming. People started talking to people and whatever. Then I get a call two weeks before I'm going to Wales my shipping container with all of my possessions is on a ship going across the Atlantic. Um, well, first off through the Panama Canal and then, you know, the Atlantic. It, my stuff is already, I'm fully invested. All my eggs are in one basket. And then I get the call two weeks before, hey, do you want to be the evangelist at Lloyd-Jones' church? And, you know, it's like a dream to me. But I go there and then I work there. And uh, it was an unpaid position, by the way. And then six months in, my missionary support drops in half and I have to go work in a factory. And then people start getting saved in the factory. So that whole risk idea was important. If I had stayed on full-time support um, for that first year, I would have never seen conversions. I'm just telling you. Mm. It wasn't until I had to go work in the factory. I had, I had to be in a place where the bottom could drop out of my life. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And so we, we rob ourselves of that probably time, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So we'll, we'll come back because there's a lot of great missionary strategies. Some of you guys might want to, uh, delve into that, um, between, uh, now and next week. And we'll, we'll chat about that some more, but anyways, guys, thanks for joining us for the church planter podcast. And, uh, Pete, do we got another commercial before we, well, sign I wouldn't call it a commercial. I would call it a, a an organization that's taken a, a warm and fuzzy <laughs> in our hearts, and and especially for the non math pastor like you, Peyton. Absolutely. But what what about for the math pastor? Could they even help a math pastor too? They could help a math pastor because a math pastor doesn't want to actually do math. Just because you can doesn't mean you want to. Exactly. If you're looking for someone who can help you simplify a church, dot com. You want to go to simplifychurch.com. Mm-hmm. They do bookkeeping, payroll, workman's comp, basically all the accounting, anything that you need done. They do web design, or if you just want to know how to do web design, how to set up your 501c3, all that stuff. They simplify church. 
And church planner, if you're looking for a treasure and you're trying to sucker, I mean, secure someone into uh, doing the treasury for the church, let me tell you something. Having Simplified Church, they do most of the heavy lifting. So you are able to tell that person, look, we just need you to monitor accounts, but uh, all the bookkeeping, all the bill pay, all the tax receipts, that's all being done. And uh, it's a great way to, uh, to, to just make life easy, not just on you but also on the volunteer who's going to do your treasuring for you. Absolutely. So that's all we got. You want to sign us out? So, hey, guys, this has been the Church Planner Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. And we want to remind you that if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Mm-hmm.